it's another edition of the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast with me, Jonathan Howe, Travis Cunningham joining me here. And we are, of course, brought to you by Oshweek and Speedway, your home for Friday night excitement, as well as Bicknell Racing Products. Uh, episode 48, Travis, who you got for your driver for number 48? Uh, I'm going to go with, he's retired, uh, been retired for a while now, a little bit, but uh, back in the day, one of my favorite street stock drivers was always Silly Billy Hogue, 48. Nice. Go metrics. Yeah, sticking with the uh, theme of street stocks. Uh, some Thunderstock drivers from Oshweekin. Uh, Braden King, Al King, and uh, Nate Klaus all piloted the 48 for starts last year at Oshweekin Speedway. So shout out to all of them. I believe it was all the same 48 car that they shared, I want to believe, but I'm not 100% sure if uh, Nate was in with the. Uh, with uh, the Kings as well. I I assume so, but I'm trying to remember the paint schemes and I can't 100% confirm that off my memory. So, but I am going to say that Nate, I I think I said Klaus, but it could be Claus as well. So Nate, I apologize if I'm butchering your name, but uh, you you made your start at uh, Ushweekin alongside Al and Braden in uh, that 48 car. So good job. Let's see the 48 again. Also Lyle White. So there's multiple drivers of the 48 uh, and Brad Bacher. How many 48s were there? I'm just going through the Thunderstocks. I think four or five different drivers piloted a 48. At They've got to be Oshikin. car sharing on that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, everybody takes a turn. Everybody gets a ride. Get some seat time. Uh, and no, I did not say Andrew Marshall, Andrew but you Marshall. can add him in there as well. Crate sprint driver okay. from Dorchester, Ontario, which makes me laugh because I grew up uh, near Dorchester Road in Niagara Falls. So every time I think of the city, I'm like, oh. no, it should be the street. Anyways, uh, we got to start with uh, some local talent. St. Catherine's own Money Matt Williamson picks up the win in the King of the Big Blocks from Bridgeport on Sunday as we finally have a Super Dirt Car Series race to talk about. Yeah, definitely uh, had a hard time getting going there. A few rainouts and stuff like that with a Can-Am and Atomic. And then, uh, yeah, they had a little bit of track was definitely a little bit rough matt talked about it a lot in his victory lane speech talking about just trying to find a smooth line and then he even said he was glad it was over but a lot of race car drivers feel that when they're leading like just want it to be over and get paid and he was able to hold on get paid and that's five out of the last seven super dirt car series races for old money matt so he went into a little bit of a slump and true money matt fashion now he's on a bit of a hot streak on a heater yeah. And uh, obviously, as this is the first event that's counted for points, he is the current Super Dirt Car Series points leader. We'll see how he can manage that lead throughout the year. Uh, just from the race, though, I mean, this wasn't one of those wins like he had in Florida where he only led the last lap. He had he was out there for quite a bit. It looks like uh, 14 laps led is yep. the number I'm seeing. So it wasn't uh, quite the, the closer clutch wins that we saw in Florida. This was a different kind of victory, which... Uh, like you say, five out of the last seven. So Money Matt is on a roll, to say the least. Yeah, Matt Stangle was coming at the end, too. Like, a couple more laps. He definitely would have shown Matt the door on the outside, maybe. But uh, and then I forget who was leading early. The number 12 car, I forget who was in it, out of the Smith stable. He led for a long time. He's a younger guy, I think, or a newer guy. Yeah, and Darren Smith. Darren Smith, that's it. Yep. Yeah, he did a good he job up 56. front. Yeah. So he was definitely looking good. It was definitely a tough track to get a hold of. Or not to get a mm-hmm. hold of, but just Matt said like all the bite was in the rut. So you had to drive through him and stuff like that. And I thought he was going to hold on and get it, Matt. Well, I mean, just look at the, the cars that didn't finish, right? You know, from 17th on back, we had uh, DNFs for 
Peter Britton, Matthew Desjardins, Mike Mahaney amongst those who didn't finish. So uh, definitely attrition was a big part of this one and uh, drivers going out at various points throughout the night. So uh, glad that uh, Matt could survive, start off with a good year, a good points night to start the year. And most importantly, I'm looking at the, the results and, you know, I feel like, do you feel like in the Super Dirt Car Series, it's going to come down to Matt Williamson, Matt Shepard, and Max McLaughlin for the title? Uh, Max going to have to, like, uh, just touch up his consistency a little bit. He kind of reminds me of, like, a Sheldon Hodenshield a little bit, um, where you kind of be hit or miss. But the uh, last two years, it was either Super Matt or Money Matt. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can see Max something like Max McLaughlin. Or just mother- Who else could come up? So Maybe go- Perego? Yeah, he's only just like he's been on the short track super. He doesn't have a lot of experience at like the dirt car tracks, but he's definitely mm-hmm. got. Where did he finish in points last year? Like fifth, I think. Uh, I'm I don't know sure. that in, yeah, front, of in front of me, me. but I'm pretty sure right. it's around fifth or so. So yeah, Here, let's see. He's I'll definitely got lots of talent. Uh, he ended up sixth in points. That's why I say I'm just trying to think of like. I always, when I look at this stuff, I I try to track drivers that are on the upward swing of their career because Max is definitely there. Yeah, right. That's why I said I think Max is the next guy who's going to take a step. If it's, you know, if it's Matt Williamson who's really kind of taken a step in the last five, ten years, I would say maybe Max is the next guy who we're going to see over the next five years really become one of the stars of the Super Dirt Car Series. I think that's probably where the projections would have him. Popular drivers. Yeah, exactly. And we probably shouldn't discount Jimmy Phelps, who ended up third in points from last year. Peter Britton, another guy who was uh, ended up in the top five in the Super Dirt Car Series points. So those Those are probably two guys have the speed, but just the consistency is like a world championship is the hard part. Yeah, for sure. 20 race grind. Yeah. So uh, those are those would be the guys I would circle right now. But we'll see how uh, we'll see how it plays out in the Super Dirt Car Series. Uh, We should also touch on the fact that uh, we would have liked to have been talking about the uh, Spring Sizzler opener from Merrittville Speedway this week on the show, but Mother Nature had other plans. Mother Nature is really embracing the whole Mercury and retrograde thing and throwing us some curveballs in the racing world, and it's not it's not looking much prettier this weekend so far. I know I just saw Ransomville has already gone ahead and canceled their test and tune night and halted their activities for the weekend. Which is kind of a bummer. I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen with Merrittville if they're going to chance it out and maybe leave it till Saturday morning. Tough decisions await uh, everybody involved in the racing community, including yourself. Uh, you know, you're you're looking to make some plans for the weekend, but just talk about, I guess, yeah. first the disappointment of uh, not being able to get out there last Saturday. Well, the main disappointment is this year. Only, last year there was four SOS races at Merrittville. This year is only three, and now we've lost one of them. So now I only get to race Merrittville twice. Although the next one's at Gary County Memorial, June 24th. Lots of stuff to come, announcements on that. And uh, we are selling laps. We've already got like five sold. So if you need a lap sold, 50 bucks. we got 20 left. And uh, yeah, but the rain. So yeah, losing one race at Merrittville. That definitely hurts for me because I just love that place. And it's kind of a place where I got a home ice advantage a little bit sometimes. And uh, just because Merrittville guys know how to handle that turn four. Just turn one yes. and two is easy. Turn four, very hard. Yes. But uh, yeah. And then this week, uh, I was... Been weather watching all week again because I'm thinking might as well go down to Fulton. It's only three hours away. I always wanted to run some ESS stuff. They pay 300 US to start, so you make the show. It's almost like 400 Canadian. So, uh, and it's just about as far as Brighton, just the other way, and gas is cheaper that way, except for the border toll. That sucks. 
but uh, yeah yeah but it's funny how in the this is what i want to say like in the winter i never ever look at my weather app even if it's a big snow coming <laughs> i'll just trust the tv yep there's snow coming but in summertime and you're going racing and there's a chance of weather you are watching your phone nonstop. like <laughs> your question on 97.7 when you're doing the age check thing in the weather app or like uh, what app you use on your phone the most in the summer mine would be the weather app that's yeah. for you guys for a curveball you guys think i'm 70 no, or I, or for me, I would personally think, oh, he's a race car driver. So <laughs> that's just so, you, or a race fan. I might so get I, Carl Brown on that one. Yeah, he might be. Although he is a sprint car guy, he was. I think he was looking True. forward to getting out True. to the uh, to the opener at Maryville there, but didn't quite happen. Uh, I guess just keep it locked to Maryville Speedway social media and uh, drivers and crews. Uh, if you're not going to be sticking around later in the show, which we don't know why you wouldn't, but you, uh, in case you missed the ads. Vansicle Pet Value in St. Catharines, as well as Lundy's Lane Pet Value in Niagara Falls. Going to have your pit passes, so any drivers and crew members that need to be on the pit side of things at Maryville, they can pick up passes from those two pet store locations. And any race fans who may also have some pets or are thinking about adopting dogs, cats, fish, whatever, lizards, go and visit Vansicle Pet Value in Lundy's Lane Pet Value, and you can pick up your race tickets there. And uh, you can even pick up a, you get a little coupon on the back of it for a free dog wash for the grandstand tickets too. So uh, always handy. Take Finn to the self dog wash. It's better than using my own bathtub. So uh, shout out them. Thank you for them. Uh, thank you to them. Thank you to Jeff Riley and Rhonda Riley for coming on board, supporting the show this year. And uh, yeah, what better way to beat the box office and maybe even run into some furry friends at the pet store. So shout out to furry them. Friends. <sighs> We got to talk about we got to talk about the high limits, and I feel like the word I chose to s- describe kind of the start of this year is that I think it's a little lackluster. Like I think there was a lot of hype, uh, rightfully so, for a series put together by Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet as the main kind of guys, but it just I don't think it's gone off to the start that anybody really expected or hoped for necessarily. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, well, it's had two major injuries so far already. That's one, like Jake Newman and now Alex Bowman. We'll yeah, talk not ideal. We'll talk about that later. But, and then, but like the racing's been good at both of them. Uh, seeing as how we're going to use the choose coming at us weekend, the high, we're using, the, like, I'm personally using the high limit series to see all the mistakes they make first so I can bring them up at the driver's meeting to make sure we don't do that. Like the first one, they just had like the normal cone out there that we usually have to stay to the right of. Like they didn't put a, Norm, like a big choose cone out there so the reason that geo or that's what i was listening to a podcast with kyle and brad sweet i think it was on flow racing but anyway they're just saying how they think that geo made so many spots up on that one restart because guys were so used to going to the right of the cone and they did it last second like the guy would just go choose or something like he didn't give enough warning yeah so he thought so many like guys were just so used to going to the cone that that's how because geo was paying attention he was able to sneak up a couple rows and i was specifically watching on Tuesday for the choose cone. And the first one, like maybe one guy went top or like, but then the second and third ones, just like I predicted, every single car went to where they were supposed to go. So that's how I think it's going to end up. It's going to be cool at first, but eventually it's just going to be us picking where we were supposed to go anyway. Maybe uh, like as long roast. as the track doesn't have any obvious advantages Ob- one way or another, right? Like that's what it comes even at that to with too. the sprint car and the wings and the way we can usually run every line, especially at us weekend. I don't know. You ain't going to want to give up that track position. Just like, the the dice roll that is kind of a cringy thing they got going like i am not feeling the dice roll that mm-hmm. they're doing to add the extra money to the purse like 
or at least bring it like my crew guys are like bring it down to one die like they're throwing two dice so they rolled an 11 on uh tuesday and so either it was who was it brent marks or macri i think or something like that anyway mm-hmm. the front row they both denied it could have been start 11th get elect eleven thousand more dollars Fun fact, the guy who did start 11 was Zeb Wise, ended up second. So he, they almost, they could have done it. Like, even though it was 11, that that track, you have the car, you can get it done because it was, I think, a little extra laps too. But uh, yeah, I think start using one dice or something because now it's 0 for 4 guys taking the dice roll. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're both, that's a fun thing. Like, they're just trying to get going. But like, what I feel that series needs is like, because it feels like the sprint car version of, Castrol Racing Night in America on Flow when they do the late models. Yeah. Whenever there's a lull in the action, which was there was a ton of them on Tuesday, like it was pretty bad. Like it definitely fed the people that say all the sprint cars do is line up and flip and spin out, and because that's it was feeling like 305s and the 410s once they got out there because it was a heavy cushion, just a little bit heavier track, and uh, they were wrecking a lot. Like no doubt about it. So where were they going with that before that? Uh, just that there's too much downtime. Yeah, too much downtime. So they're comparing yeah. it to Flow Racing Night in America, like I am. And I just feel like they need to sprint car knowledgeable people to have, like to throw to the podcast room like they do during Flow Night Racing Night in America. And they've got those two late model guys that know everything about late models. And then they just chat while there's downtime and other stuff going on. And I, I don't like hate that, that idea. So they need- coming, coming from my media I saw that on the internet. That's not my own idea, really. But like, it's just a great idea. I, I think coming from my media background, I think that makes total sense. Like... Y- even for our local broadcast, the way that G-Force does it, where, you know, sometimes between events, we get our trackside appearance from Clinton Jeffries and Clinton's down there grabbing an interview, doing something. And that helps fill the time, right? Because there is there is a lot of downtime. Like, it's like, not like me, you guys have started. Yeah. You can't just fire those cars up and roll out and go. Like, it's a bit of a process to get a sprint car race set up. Uh, I wanted to touch on your choose cone uh, point as well. <laughs> I almost feel like I'm expecting to show up to Austrian Speedway and you guys will have uh, the choose drone from. Uh, I would the mind NASCAR that Bristol better race. than using the exact same cone like they did with the high limit and confusing right? people the first time. And we definitely need a ton of a warning first. Like, time to choose, boys. Time to choose, boys and girls. Sorry. Time to choose. Time to choose. Like, we need to hear it like a whole bunch in a row. Like, so, so we know it's coming up. We know we're starting to count cars. Like, we can be ready for which way we want to handle it. Like you can't just give us a split second to do it. Like so would you almost want to be aware? You would almost maybe want like a signal at the starter sand where you get like a popsicle sticks with the yellow lights on to know, okay, that's two to go, which you would figure two to go is going to be where the choose happens because yeah. unlike or Dougie just say it on the radio is all we need. Yeah. So, but I'm saying like, you got to know on the back stretch, right? Cause I, ideally I think Oshweekin would want this to happen on the front stretch. Whereas I think the high limit series, I'm not sure if it's been at both tracks or not. I don't remember, but I'm not sure which stretch Oshweekin is doing it either. I feel like it was back stretch though, for the high limits, which doesn't give you much time. It's not like you can choose and come to green. And plus that takes green. away from, takes away I'm from the sure fan either. vantage point. Right. So yeah. You want to say you definitely want to do it on the front stretch so fans yeah. can see people choosing. Absolutely. So that, that would be my one suggestion just from the limited stuff that I've seen from mm-hmm. the high limit series just so far. Lots just of warning. Make sure that drivers know on the back stretch that they are coming to the choose on the front stretch. Do the choose on the front stretch. Use something other than a cone if possible. And yeah, uh, uh, that, that'd be 
I think those are the two main things that we've learned so far. And, uh, yeah, I've kind of joked that Mer- Mercury's in retrograde. I've seen a lot of like, uh, like my fiance is really into the stars and all that, like signs and stuff like that. And I see tons of memes about Mercury in retrograde. And I feel like it's really affecting the racing world. Cause you said high limit racing series has already seen two major injuries this week. Pretty big news, especially for NASCAR fans and sprinkler fans that Alex Bowman, uh, you know, he's got a cracked vertebrae from uh, his flip the other night and uh, by all accounts doing OK, but he's going to miss the next three to four NASCAR Cup Series races, which I'm sure Mr. H is not happy after Chase Elliott's already missed some time this year. And that's potentially two <laughs> drivers for Hendrick that might not make the playoffs because of injuries which is a huge deal money-wise, fame-wise, and all that. Yeah. That's a tough potential look. And, you know, it probably definitely puts Kyle Larson in an awkward position, who's who's got the contract guarantee of, like, I can go and race whatever I want. Yeah. But it's his series that injured a driver that is his teammate. So I'm sure Jeff Gordon and uh, Rick Hendrick are not pleased about that particular thing. But it's just was just one of those racing deals, right? So I... It just wasn't kind his of a bad fault. luck situation. Like there was a lot of people on the internet first saying it was his fault, but if you slow down the video, not even close. The guy on the outside, he comes out at four, gets a little tight. The car wheelies, called a torque wheelie and those things, because they just got so much torque in them four tens. And then he wheelies, tries to fix it, lifts a little bit, the car slams down, and he loses the hand a little bit and comes down the track just that little bit. It was just the lane. It was the lane that Alex Bowman left him. Room coming off the corner. Alex set his car straight to go down on the bottom. He's gonna hit the bottom, going in. And that guy made a little mistake and had to use that little extra buffer room Alex hit. And yeah, the main problem is what Alex does. That's why I run a crash pad in my sprint car, which is just a aircraft grade foam cushion that goes under your butt just to give it that little bit of extra, almost like an air cushion under your butt. Like, I don't know if Alex had one or not, but because those the way he came down on his car, that's the way it's done. That's what happened to Kevin Swindell. That is like when you see a car come down on all fours, slap the belly bottom off the track and stuff like that. Like that's when that's almost like the other guy went flying through the air. The car was almost ripped in half and he got out like no problems. Good yeah. to go. And because of that belly bottom slap, if you see that in a race car, you have to start getting nervous because those are almost the worst hits to have other than obviously like a right in the cockpit hit or right dead head center in the cage or something. But like, that's like the third worst way to land. Yeah. Not, it, not, they're fun. all terrible. They're all tied for first worst ways things to happen. Yeah, not fun, but uh, yeah, obviously wishing uh, my guy, Alex Bowman, a speedy recovery, and uh, hopefully, you know, everything kind of gets back to normal in, in the racing world yeah. in terms of we've had a pretty clean run the last couple of years for injuries, I feel like, and like the last month or so, it's been, uh, you know, we had a tragedy, ugly. and then we've had some some hard hits and some ugly incidents, so... Hopefully that we're going to start putting that behind us. Uh, I believe we are now nine days away from Brighton. So shout out to those guys who are going to be getting ready to go soon. Um, something else from the sprint car world. I feel like we should touch on is McFadden doping tires. Yeah. Last year there was a USAC versus whatever the dirt car non-wing extreme non-wing series. Like both of them guys had a tire doping war. If people got thrown out and stuff, but then now for the world of LS to do it, especially on this new tire stuff, which is a little bit harder. So, yeah, you definitely see guys breaking the tire dope out, and uh, you're always wondering what's going on. And uh, So I can definitely hopefully see some getting tested around here. 
Yeah, even though it's tough. Like if there's a short, like it does junk a tire because they do have to cut it out. Yeah, but what? Um, I, I wouldn't I, mind seeing it checked. You would want it to be checked more often. So, it does that mean that you think it's more of a problem that's not talked about in this area right now, or it's is it something you guys area. are it's talking just in about? Racing in general, like yeah, all over. Yeah. Okay, like, I don't want to center out this area at all. Like, just I know a very famous race car driver. I'm not going to name names. Like, he's way up there in Canada, one of the best. Not uh, anyway, and he says he's never won a race without a dope tire. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. it's the way she goes. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? So uh, I'm most interested to see. Like I might be a pavement racer though, but yeah. that's all I'm giving. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. All right. At least it's not anybody from the dirt world. Not that there's but not yeah. anybody. I've already heard so many stories being. We're going to have a rule so. that you can't dope tires. We have to check it. Otherwise, yeah. remove the rule and let us dope them. Because honestly, me, uh, for a cheaper, lower budget guy, sometimes I wonder if maybe doping tires would be a little cheaper for me where I can massage them and bring the life back and they'll refire a little bit more. If, even if you like the left rear now, when we get on the new tire, we'll be able to flip them so you can get yeah. the fresh edges after a few weeks. And if you're able just to rub a little bit of go juice on it, it might help me a little bit for so a, what about- a lower budget guy. So what exactly does it do for the competition? Like if everybody got to dope tires, do you think we would see a better racing product? Uh, like a lot of times, like it's just such a hard thing to like, I never see them not having the rule. Although like, I'm pretty sure the short track super series kind of like rewrote the rules a little bit to kind of say, especially during the shortages. Yeah. But, uh, Yeah. It's just definitely a touchy subject. But if you're going to have the rule, you need to enforce it. Fair enough. Which the World of Outlaws did today, and I saw them getting a lot of heat for it, and no reason for it. Yeah. That's the rule. Guy got caught. Make sure that, like, there is some stuff in the lab testing, too. Like, that was the big thing between the USAC and the Extreme is, well, this lab said that, this lab said that. Yeah. So it's all such a, yeah, such a tough one with the tire dope. It's almost like doping in UFC. (laughs) Pretty much crazy except in the tire dope so uh, the last point i want to make on on this or last thing i kind of wanted to touch on is with the tire doping and mcfadden's going to go ahead and appeal this penalty i think this is going to go to the same appeals board if i'm not mistaken as you know the appeals board that made headlines for handling the hendrick and colleague racing cases in in nascar because if I'm not mistaken, and if somebody does know any differently and they want to correct us on the show, feel free to comment on Facebook or, or send us an email, send us a message, and just let us know. But I believe that they're going to be using the same appeals board. Uh, I believe it's a National Motorsports Appeals Board. So do you almost wonder, do you think that the World of Outlaws guys are thinking, maybe this is something I can push the limit on or try to get away with because... We saw that the appeals panel has been, for the most part, ruling in the favor of these drivers and teams in the big series. So why not mm-hmm. try to push it at like the lower ranks or th- push it in the, the, I guess, the world of sprint cars, really? Because it's not not necessarily a lower rank. Tire dope's pretty more thing. black and white than, well, other than the lab, yeah. But like with the Hendrick penalties, it was like literally seemed to me like the parts obviously came to them. Not, not right the way it was handled. So yeah. Kind of, like it's, and it's a part my- not being right versus tire dope. A part's easier, a lot easier to look at and measure. Yeah, and I think the other thing too with that that argument to kind of maybe uh, correct myself here is that 
with the Hendrick and colleague situation is that from all accounts, they were in full communications ahead of time with NASCAR and the part never actually hit the track. Whereas McFadden yes. obviously ran this tire. So it certainly uh, did. That's, that's another issue where I, I think his case is going to be a little bit harder to overturn, but you never know with uh, the way things have been going. Why not try your hand at the appeals? And again, you ain't cheating. You ain't trying. So I'm going to leave it with this. I know a lot of people are always crying, oh, motor cheating. Like that's a lot. Like I can guarantee you in the racing world, there's a lot more tire cheating than motor cheating going on. Like within the winning drivers. That's right. my personal opinion. Says the motor guy conveniently. No, because they check the <laughs> motors all the time. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's a lot easier to get away with something that uh, maybe is right there in plain sight. Yeah. Especially like the, like the rules that are like pure black and white. Like yeah. most of the engine builder guys that broke rules back in the day, they didn't black and white break a rule. They went and set, did something that wasn't in the rules. Yeah. They found that the rules got lines. made because of them. That is a difference. Yeah. Than playing out cheating, like running a big carburetor, which is so obviously basic when you put the no go, no gauge in there and it tinkers around. Yeah. Obvious. Uh, so with that said, uh, we're optimistic. I, I, at least I'm optimistic, but I was optimistic last week, and then I had to go in and cut into the show to say that the racing was canceled from Maryville. We <laughs> hope it gets going from Maryville. If it does, it'll be the uh, it'll be the 72nd season opener, Bobcat Hamilton Weekly Racing Opens, brought to you by Select so Total Service. Hopefully this Saturday, April 29th, hopefully I'll see a bunch of fans uh, out there at the racetrack. And if I do and you want to grab a Sods Pod sticker, I will have some available for purchase. Uh, there's been a ton of people who have connected with me saying they wanted to buy one at the racetrack. No connections, uh, on, unfortunately, at the racetrack last week because of the cancellation of the Spring Sizzler. But I do want to shout out uh, one uh, of our sticker uh, buyers, one of our supporters here, sticker supporters, Ryan. Uh, yeah, appreciate him stopping by the White House of Rock to pick up a sticker from me last Sunday. And uh, he supported the show and supporting my efforts to get to Super Dirt Week. And uh, yeah, this is going to be going to be a blast all summer long tracking uh, this. And maybe there'll be more merch to come. But for now, the stickers are where it's at. And uh, if you want to buy one, find me at a racetrack. Find Travis at a racetrack, which hopefully you I have a will be at too. a racetrack. Oh, Ryan Turner. Oh, Ryan Turner. Thanks to Ryan Turner Racing. Yep. They're going for five, five for 20. Awesome. I love but it. For the most part, I want to save mine. I'm like, I'll sell Ryan his five, but I'm going to, I'm going to save a lot of mine for like on the roads. Like when I'm rolling to Brighton or when I'm rolling to Southern Ontario Motor Speedway, I'll be yep. doing a post and letting everyone out in those ways know that I'll have stickers on me. For sure. And uh, you hopefully will be hitting the road. Uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but why don't we wrap up before we get to yeah. Charlie Sandercock with uh, the ESS opener, which you're hoping to be at. Yeah. Uh, we had their champion on the show a little bit later, uh, earlier on in the offseason, Jordan Poirier. And uh, he was also nice. It's under champion, kicked our butts for a couple of years. I say we tuned him up for the ESS. So he went and tuned them guys up. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go on the road with him tomorrow. Hopefully going to wake they're making the decision at eight o'clock and to see how the weather is. It has been improving. Like it definitely looks like a little bit better down there, but it is that dreaded possibly rain. Like once you get the show going. Yeah. God, that sucks. Yeah. But, especially for that haul, right? It's yeah. one thing to haul down the road to Merrittville, which is, you know, still a half hour ish kind of thing for you, but, uh, yeah, going I'm pretty hopped up. I can see myself going anyways, but yeah, Jordan will be there anyways. Cause there's there. He's going to have to, cause he's trying to defend the championship and nobody can do it. Absolutely. 
Well, with all that said, let's get to our interview this week. We're catching up with a, a guy who did some winning recently down stateside. Let's talk to Charlie Sandercock on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast. The Southern Ontario Dirt Show is brought to you by Oshweekin Speedway, Southern Ontario's home for Friday night excitement. For over 25 years, Oshweekin Speedway has promoted and played host to sprint car racing with a new season of family-friendly events on the horizon and set to begin May 19th. Catch our own Travis Cunningham as he races weekly in the 360 division each Friday night in pursuit of a season-long championship. The Friday night lineups are rounded out by crate sprints, thunderstocks, and mini stock divisions as well. In addition to weekly racing, Oshweekin Speedway will also hold several marquee events for the Southern Ontario Sprints, the Action Sprint Tour in their West Series and National Series, as well as a visit from Canada's premier stock car series, the NASCAR Pinty Series on August 14th and 15th for their only stop on dirt. Mark your calendars as the 3 8 mile dirt track located in Oshweekin, Ontario welcomes drivers from across the country and beyond for the 19th running of the Canadian Sprint Car Nationals which is scheduled for September 16th. To keep up to date with the latest news from the track, be sure to find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For track information on policies, admissions, directions, and more, be sure to visit oshweekenspeedway.ca. That's O-H-S-W-E-K-E-N speedway.ca. Oshweekin Speedway, your home for Friday night excitement. The Southern Ontario Dirt Show is brought to you by Bicknell Racing Products. The last 40 years plus have seen Bicknell Racing Products grow to be an industry leader for racers and enthusiasts alike. Their St. Catharines location is home to 20,000 square feet of manufacturing and retail space with a second store in Niagara Falls, New York and a dealer network that continues to grow day by day to serve Southern Ontario, Western New York and beyond. Bicknell Racing Products distributes Hoosier tires for much of Eastern Canada, New York and even parts of Pennsylvania. BRP is everything you could need to keep your car performing at its peak with genuine parts from the manufacturer. They even have a technical support line committed to helping you with the most up-to-date information and feedback from racers and crew chiefs. Have you ever thought about a career in the automotive or racing industry? Now is your chance to take the leap with Bicknell Racing Products. They are looking for CNC machine operators, welders, and more to join their team this season. Please send all resumes to Dana Curving at BicknellRacingProducts.com. That's D-A-N-A. C-U-R-V-I-N at BicknellRacingProducts.com For further information on Bicknell Racing Products and to find a dealer near you, visit BRP online at www.BicknellRacingProducts.com or on Facebook or at Twitter.com slash BicknellRacing. And joining us now on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast is Charlie Sandercock, who has had a pretty eventful month or so uh, and some great success down in stateside. But first, uh, Charlie, just uh, thanks for joining the show. And how are you doing? Oh, not a problem. I'm glad uh, able to join you guys. It was kind of a surprise. You got a message the other day. You want me to come on board? So um, thank you for that. And uh, everything's been kind of busy last month or so, getting ready to go racing and getting farm equipment and everything ready to go in the field and life and it's just been summer's not even here yet and we're all crazy yeah it's uh it definitely seems like it's been a, a wild bit of time here for you just talk to us a, about uh everything that it took to, to get down on that trip and be a part of the battle of the bay uh series there from your standpoint um it's definitely i think we're in the same boat as everyone that um even come race season 
which is almost a month away when we go to Battle of A. And we're always right down to the wire to get everything ready for them. But then you have to shove it back two or three weeks and uh, crammed everything in that much sooner. And uh, we've done that was our third trip down to Battle of the Bay, down Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. And uh, it was, we went the first two years, the inaugural years that they had it. And then uh, we weren't able to go to the next three because of COVID or two because of COVID. And then last year we um, just weren't, weren't to go when we weren't ready and had too much stuff on our plate and we decided not to go. And then this year we thought we should go back and give it a try. All right, so there was four tracks. I knew the first two, Delaware and Georgetown. Yeah, I know you ran six at Delaware, but talk us about the first three nights of the week before we get to the big win on the Sunday or the last night. Um, I've been been to all. This is my third time to all those tracks, other than Potomac on the Friday night. The second year we went down, we got rained out, so I'd only been there one other time. Um, Delaware, we were. Faster to the gate, we set fastest in our group, second overall, um, had good qualifying position. We won our heat race. Um, the car was just good all night long. Um, won the dash, started up front for the feature. We actually lost a couple positions in the dash and the heat race, and then we were able to power back and make some passes to get to the lead, and we ended up going on to win. And then uh, in the feature time, we had a good car, and then I think about – I don't know, five or six laps in or so had a shock mount come undone. So that kind of totally upset the car and changed our, what could have been a, a better, better result for us anyways. So, yeah. And uh, that was. Yeah, I was watching that night. That yeah, just, it just tightened that. the car up so much that it just and then didn't have drive coming off. So we we're, we're able to finish with a six. So we'll take it. And uh, it was. Yeah, kind of sucks. We could have had a better result that night, but hey, that's the way she goes. And then uh, on to Georgetown for for uh, Thursday night. Um, I'd struggled at Georgetown the last two times I went there, so I was um, I had I had a mind all winter what I was doing when I went there to turn the car around and make it decent. And I threw the book at it to make changes, and it seemed to seemed to really help. And the car was good. We were in second our heat, made the dash, qualified for the dash again. Um, we started eighth in the feature. We got to third within five laps or something like that. I had a very very good car, and on a restart, me and uh, the guy on the outside, we, we tangled. We got together a little bit and been a tie rod, and then the car would quite steer as good after that so that was another night of results could have been a lot better but again that's that's the way it goes that's fair and then it kind of all came together for you uh and the final night there at winchester just talk to us about uh your efforts there what it meant to close out uh, the tour with the win and become the first canadian to ever win uh, at winchester on dirt yeah it was um all night where the car was good all night. Where there was a three-hour rain delay, um, so that kind of set the way the track was going to be for the night. And with it being cloudy and um, no sun, and that much moisture, it was just heavy and fast all night long. And uh, luckily, that we 
got a decent starting spot for the feature and we were able to um we i think our biggest battle was uh cautions there was there was a lot of cautions towards the end of the race and it just kind of you just get going and then a caution and then another caution another caution yeah. i don't even know how many cautions there was but i would almost say there had to have been 15 or 20 cautions it felt like a hundred but it was just you know you, you know the guys behind you um <laughs> that they race there all the time or they race that series all the time and the amount of competition that you know is behind you knocking on the door and it's just like all right we can do this we can do this and keep keep focused and doing what you're doing and um but it's still knowing who is behind you is always in the back of your mind and yeah you you couldn't couldn't give up till after the last lap and because you never know that last lap slide job who knows what could happen so you gotta keep going right to the end and um pulling off the win with those guys at that uh, battle of the bay series was fantastic like just for me and my team all my supporters like it was just amazing and then to be first canadian to win a race at winchester it was just added added on top of that so it was definitely great for my team and my supporters and everyone so that was your fourth career rush win i think i saw i know that one of them was at Merrittville. where was the other two uh yeah, the first rush win was at Merrittville, and then in 2019 i think it was on um, the rush series invaded quebec and we were at uh, granby and uh rpm and i won both of those races down there so i was two three and then those are my first rush races I've won. Those are the first three rush races I've won, and all of them were in Canada. And then the fourth one was at Winchester, so that was my first rush win on American soil. So it was, it was. What other Yankee tracks have you won at? I know Can Am for sure. Can Am, Evans Mills, um, Fulton. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Winchester. Fulton's a good one. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't your first American win or nothing? No. Been there, done that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's always, it, it makes it sound so yeah, easy when you say it like it, that. Been there, yeah. done that. Even like to win on a new racetrack, whether it's in Canada or in the States, it's just fantastic to win at a new track and especially against um the competition that you're racing at this is it's that first race win feeling all over again yeah folks from van sickle pep value and pv on the lane aren't just fans of your favorite four-legged friends they are race fans too that's why jeff and ronda riley as well as their staff have teamed up with Merrittville speedway to make your race day experience more convenient Race fans can now pick up tickets for race nights while grabbing the highest quality food, treats, toys, and accessories for their pets from the St. Catharines and Niagara Falls locations. Each grandstand ticket will also have a voucher that can be used in-store for a free pet bath at their dog wash stations. Drivers and crew members can also skip the line by purchasing pit passes in-store, giving them more time to get their rides ready for Saturday nights. Check out Vansicle Pet Value across from Best Buy and Walmart on 4th Avenue in St. Catharines and PV on the Lane at the corner of Kayla Road and Lundy's Lane, Highway 20. 
The Merrittville Cart Club turns 30 this season and they can't wait to celebrate with you. Join them Tuesday nights to see the next generation of local heroes race their way up the ranks. Matt Williamson, Cody McPherson, and Dalton Slacker are just a few names who have graduated from the Merrittville Cart Club ranks to become winners and champions of the sport. The season will begin May 9th with multiple practices through the end of April and May scheduled, including driver school April 23rd. You can support the club by purchasing a 30th anniversary t-shirt or hoodie, both of which are available now for pre-order. For more information and cart club schedule, visit MerrittvilleSpeedway.com. So I want to kind of dive back into the beginnings of your racing career and how things got going for you. So just talk to us a, a little bit about um, your relationship with uh, with your uncle, who kind of it seems like that you and your dad teaming up to kind of help your uncle is how the the racing bug was uh, born for you and where you got bit with it. Yeah, so I I was into racing basically since I was born. Um, my dad helped my uncle Lee out on his race car forever. And he, he started racing at Brighton Speedway and he got into racing with um, Huck Flindle. So he, Huck Flindle's number was 57. And then when my uncle Lee started racing, he um, was number 57. And then me growing up watching my uncle, my that's where I got my number from was watching him and I want to be the 57 as well. So that's where the 57 come from. And then my dad helping him out and then going out to my uncle's place and working on the cars, sitting in the cars, being around them. I was just, I was always, I was involved with him from a very young age. And then, uh, so then at 14, me and my buddies, Justin Ramsey, Adam Wells, and we decided to, Hey, let's build a race car. So then we <laughs> got a race car and put a roll cage in it, and um, the rest was kind of snowballed from there. We uh, we started in four cylinders, and we got in, and I ended up buying my uncle's modified off of him in two thousand and five, I think it was two thousand four, two thousand five, and I raced uh, modified for five. To, six five or six years and then when brighton brought the late models hit back in in 2010 that's when I switched to late models and then we've been into late models ever since yeah just, uh, talk about brighton as your home track i always love going there and uh i just love that place so talk about what it's like being there growing up in that area and just like there's always that aura about like there's almost like not like it's always packed no matter what you could have just four cylinders and the place would be packed like you know what i mean yeah for sure and uh yeah brighton's been obviously my home track it's 20 minutes up the road um we've raced there since 2002. um the place has come a long ways since i i started going there um mark and angie and they they've done a lot of stuff around there to improve they're, they're always trying to improve everything around the facility and do everything they can to better help the racers and stuff but like the the race at brighton it's i find sometimes that track can be tricky but then other nights it's simple um it, yeah it, it can change it, you can have three different completely race services from the time you hit it in hot laps to the feature time yeah and you can it can be single main yeah. hammer down in the heat races and the next thing you know they're the track prep 
crew might go out and change up a couple things and clean off the top. And then you're racing three wide in the slick in the feature. So you have to be, it's very technical sometimes on how the track reacts, how you have to tune your car. And there's not too many weeks where you can roll in there with the same setup you had before and work the same. Yeah, my thing about Brayden, like like you said, like it can be hammer down, like not even lift in the sprint car and hot laps, and then heat race still a little bit, but like seems like flip of the switch, it goes dead slick. Like, do you think that's because of the dirt, or because it seems like other tracks are more gradual? That one just flips the switch so quick. I think it's a little bit of between the soil and um, we try and get going like hot laps are at five o'clock or six o'clock in a normal night. Right. So it's yeah. maybe just an extra hour of running in the daylight in the sun. And we all know how day racing works out that the track is gone in a hurry. Um, Cause there's nights that it, if it's cloud, cloud covered, then that moisture stays there longer and is there. So I think it's, I think it's a lot of it's cross between the soil and the weather. Yeah. I love it there though. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great spot. Uh, one that's definitely on my list to hit this summer at some point. Uh, something else I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you've had obviously a lot of success in the late models, but uh, you also have uh, taken taken your talents behind the wheel of a, a sprint car in the past too. And uh, I believe you even have a win back in 2015. So talk to us a little bit about uh, sprint he car does. life and maybe uh, the decisions to stay uh, stay out of sprint cars. Uh, maybe our sprint car is something that you've got on the brain for the future where sprint cars uh, kind of operate in the world uh, of Charlie Sandercock these days. So yeah, I got into a sprint car back in would have been 14. I think it was 20, 2014, I think it was. A little like bit earlier than that I started. Because I've raced against you back then. I think 13 or 12. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This was quite a while ago. I'm trying to go off paint, paint schemes on what car. You did it quite a few years, yeah. too. But just at Brighton. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the first year I ran it, um, actually, first time I drove it was Greg Bellier bought a sprint car off of Ryan McDonald. And... He, he was like, well, I want to try it. I want to race it. He took it to K&M, and Greg's a big guy. He didn't quite fit in it, and he's like, yeah, I don't like this. So then he says to me, he's like, hey, do you want to take it to Brighton for testing too? I'm like, uh, yeah. Like, it's it's a sprint car, sure. Yeah, I'll jump in that thing. And, well, we go to testing soon, and it was like my second session out or something like that, and I, could, like, I got the feel of the car, and next thing you know, I'm going around there with it to the floorboards all the way around. And it's like, then we turned some diesel walls and he asked if we want to run it with the SOS. So we ran it with the SOS when we come to Brighton. And then that year was my rookie year. We went to the nationals. I actually stayed home from a late model series race and went to the nationals that we get there. So, and uh, yeah, and we had a good car and uh, we, we started I don't know, eighth or something like that in the last chance. And we got the lead and we, I didn't realize I had a full straightaway lead. And I think there was like 30 some cars in the last chance. And there was cars everywhere were lapping cars. And then coming into turn three, I see a nose come underneath me. So I'm like, we've got to go. There's like two or three laps left. Maybe it might have been four or six, something like that. Anyways. And I come off turn four and a lap car zigged and I zagged and I should have zigged and 
I clipped his right rear and we end up taking out the fence up into the just past the flag stand. So that ended our rookie season of the nationals there. So it was that was a highlight of my year for sure, just just running up front at Ashwigan at the Nationals, you know. And uh yeah, guys behind you. Um I think it was I was hooping in or something like that was behind me. And it's like, yeah, again, you know who's behind you and they're coming and yeah, you, you gotta be on your marks and um uh, every lap right to the end. And why well, wasn't quite on my marks right to the end. <laughs> <laughs> So then, in the wind, inner. Yeah. So then, I, I had uh, Kevin Lovey's helped me out quite a bit with my sprint car stuff, and uh, through my whole sprint car program. And I remember him always telling me, like, just get into those grocery getters and get into these things. Just put those grocery getters away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I started just running, um races i started doing some of the sos stuff we went to humberstone we almost got a win there and then we had a tire exit stage left with about three or four laps to go and that would have been our first uh, feature win um, but unfortunately that one didn't finish well and then uh we just kind of i think we did a few more other sos races but then miss mainly stuck to brighton um we would test a little bit here and there brighton and train just get our car better so that maybe we could get a win. And uh, we ended up getting one win. It was the Labor Day weekend. Um, I think it was we had a couple of restarts towards the end of the race too. And I had a I dropped the cylinder. Like I could feel like it was missing. It was like this thing has to last a couple more laps. And end up push knocked the push rod out and then a valve and stuff like that. So we didn't end up racing the next day, but we won the Saturday night and it was just like winning your first race all over again. It was a new series and knowing the guys that are on Labor Day weekend, there's no slouches. And when you pass a guy no. like no. Uh, Mitch Brown for the lead on a dry slick racetrack, it's like, yep. it just, yep. just that feeling there. It's like, man, like it's just, it's just an amazing feeling for my team and everyone for how much work. And I, um, Doug Hanmore and uh, Chris Ostrom Shrek. They were my dedicated sprint car guys. They they worked on that thing whenever we want to go racing. And um, those guys busted their butts for me, and I always appreciate them helping me out on that. And it was it was they always had a good car wherever we went, and we kind of worked well together. And it was fantastic. And those guys were those guys were the ones that helped me get that win that I that I got. And as far as I'm jealous of you. <laughs> the, uh, I got five seconds. As, uh, we got uh, uh, as far as getting out of it, we it was just we got too busy. We had too much on our plate and our race car would literally get pulled out on a Saturday morning. And we blow, it would like be sitting in the corner of the barn. We pull it out. We would blow the dirt off and from sitting in the corner. We would go through the valves, blow out the injectors and kind of go over it, maybe grind some tires and just kind of, all right, yep, put on the trailer, let's go. And it wasn't <laughs> getting the attention that our 
late model team got and it wasn't getting the attention that a sprint car team would need so it was just like and there was a few items here and there that were kind of getting wore out on it and we need to replace this or that it was just it was it became not having enough time and it wasn't giving the right attention so it's like well why why are we trying to do this and so that's when we decided just to put that aside and not try and half-ass run a team yeah fair enough uh something i wanted to ask you about is you have one of the more unique uh and identifiable uh race cars going with uh, your number placements so just talk to us about why uh, you've decided to run your 57, uh, maybe a little bit crooked. Some people might feel or, and a little bit off center on that, on the side of your race cars on the quarter panel, right? Um, it's kind of over the wheel. Well, really like it's almost in the middle of the yeah. wheel. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I back and when I first got into racing, um, I was, well, just after I got into racing, it was my second year into racing. Um, I took a, co-op placement at bullet signs and graphics and so i was working there and i could like the 57 just by it just didn't go and it just didn't really look like it should or they just didn't look fast or cool so then we designed my 57 so mm -hmm. that it was like it was kind of stacked and in behind and then i ran like that for a few years and then i always always liked how Dale Plank had his like 66 or yeah, his 66 was stacked on top of each other. So I was thinking of trying to do something like that. And then he's like, oh, that doesn't work with the five and a seven. And so then we just kind of played with it. And I was like, I kind of like the look of it bigger, but the bigger it is, then the more space it takes up for sponsors. So it's like, if we put this kind of over the wheel well, and who cares if you cut out half not half but a, a corner of the number then you can make it bigger it's still legible and it just kind of i've always liked it was kind of we did it it's like i like that and just kind of we stuck with it i like it's it. definitely Why? unique it, it, it definitely makes you stand out and uh uh i would say that uh you know what of all the 57s that are in dirt racing these days, I, I kind of think uh, yours is a bit more exciting, at least to watch around the track than maybe another famous 57 that's been kind of making headlines the last few years and uh, maybe spring, <laughs> yeah. if you will. <laughs> but uh, Charlie, it's been a blast catching up with you. We want to get you out of here on this one here. Uh, talk to us about, uh, I'm going to ask you first, since you, I'm going to ask you two questions here to get out of here. One I'm going to give you an unlimited plot of land somewhere in Ontario to build your perfect dirt facility. It can be a replica of a track maybe you've already been to before, or you can incorporate multiple elements from a different, uh, a bunch of different tracks that you've raced at. What would your perfect dirt track in Ontario look like? Um, it's, that's tough. Um, obviously, a variety of different race to go to is key for like i love going to Oshwegen. it's wide it's racy there's so much room for slide jobs and maneuvering and making passes like four or five wide um but then you go to the other end of the spectrum you go to cornwall it's a tight bull ring short banked but it's also very racy so um 
and then you got like uh, Maravel, it's like a D shape, and um, Brighton and Humberstone, I feel, are somewhat similar for some um, track surfaces. But I, I would probably build something maybe a little bit smaller than Can Am, racing like Cornwall, high banked, um, kind of like there's. Belclair, I think it might be down in the States. It's a short little high bank racy track. So like something like that, I think would be nice. what I would want. Yeah. I, I like three eighths and smaller. I think that brings up the best racing for the most part. Yeah. Anything bigger yeah. than that. Like, yeah, it's cool to go to a super speedway. We'll call it big half mile on dirt. But I think yeah. that they, they, the racing isn't near as good, I don't think. I think it's the, your shorter tracks, your more stop and go, um, give better excitement, I think. For sure. All right, and last one. If you could only pick one type of race car and one racetrack to race it on for the rest of your life, it can be something you've driven in the past, something you've always wanted to drive, what's the combination you're picking? Uh, it's going to be a super late model. And it had to be on any racetrack. That's tough. Um, I'd like to race at Eldora, but also that's one of those big racetracks that I don't find would be as fun as a smaller bullring. Um, Stumped him. I don't know. That, that's a tough one. To <laughs> Which yeah. Um, he told I, him about car you drive that. anyway. Super late model, like right away. Yeah, um, tracks the hardest part. It is because like, do you pick one that you love racing all the time that like here, or is it something down in the states where you haven't been before? Like, um, yeah, Eldora would be awesome to go to. I would. I'd like to race there. So I'll just pick yeah. Eldora. Awesome. That's all right. Let's put it up, put it on the bucket list to do. And, uh, we hope that there's plenty more checker flags North and South of the border for you throughout 2023. Charlie, thanks for joining the show. Congrats on the success to start the year. And we look forward to uh, seeing you back on the racetrack real soon. Awesome. Thank you very much for having us. Charlie Sandercock on the Southern Ontario dirt show podcast. And the checkered is out on another episode of the Southern Ontario Dirt Show presented by Oshweekin Speedway and Bicknell Racing Products. Like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Facebook at Southern Ontario Dirt Show or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SODS underscore pod. Have a question for the show? Email us, southernontariodirtshow at gmail.com. Thanks for supporting local racing in Southern Ontario, and we'll see you at the track.